Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, this is Tara Lynn today and I am doing a magic moment about the concept of compassion. I, the reason why it came up for me, it's come up in a few of the books we've been reading lately, specifically Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, which is a fantastic book. We're going to go into that more in depth on another episode. But compassion has been really on my mind lately because I just feel like there's just so much power and ability to connect in the concept of compassion. And I have noticed in my life, I don't know why, but I have a tendency to, and I know this happens to a lot of people, but there is a large amount of people who tell me their trauma. And that's happened since I was maybe a teenager. Like, I don't know if it's because people are my thing. And so I like here, I, I, I mean, I am genuinely interested in people's lives. I don't know what it is exactly, whatever recipe that's made up. But again, I know a lot of people are like this. But I, I, feel like, I feel like I have a lot of experience listening to people tell me what's happening in their lives. And it's something that I'm so grateful for. I mean, I, I truly, genuinely love listening to people. But I mean, sometimes it's almost... I mean, I'll leave, like I'll be at the grocery store and somebody will, you know, ask some, run into somebody who I haven't seen for years and ask them how they're doing. And just by the look on their face, I can tell that they want to say more. So I just kind of like open up a space for them to tell it. And it's amazing. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I have left the grocery store and having somebody give me a hug and be like, oh my gosh, I just needed to tell somebody that. Thank you so much for holding that space for me. And for me, I mean... I'm just listening. Right. But I've had a lot of people say that it's been really helpful for them. So I've been thinking a lot because I am am one, not only interested in helping people who have gone through difficult things, I've gone through difficult things myself, but also because it's kind of like added up over the past couple of months, I've been like, what is it that is actually serving somebody when we're talking to them about something difficult that's going on in their life? Because We all know that, you know, just complaining isn't really helpful. So what is it that's so powerful about feeling pain with somebody else? So like if I'm, if I'm going through something hard, if I just am complaining to everybody about it, that really isn't very helpful, but there is something really healing for me about when I'm talking to somebody and it can be somebody who I don't know well or somebody who I know well and who loves me, but it's that ability for them to open up that space and have compassion that allows me to share my pain and I leave feeling better. And so I've been really trying to kind of distill what is it, what makes the difference then besides between just, you know, complaining, which doesn't make me feel good versus truly sharing something vulnerable and painful with another human being and having that relieve my suffering a little bit. You know what I mean? 
So as I've been thinking about that, the word compassion has been coming up for me over and over and over. And I've had some really beautiful experiences over the past few months watching people share with me their pain and having that experience where we both leave actually feeling better. I feel like I've been on sacred ground because the person has allowed me to see inside their heart and the person leaves feeling like they're understood and loved and that it's okay to feel what they're feeling, right? And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today is the concept that, and as I say this, just to be clear, I am not a trauma therapist, nor do I have a PhD in psychology here. I'm talking just as a regular human being who is very interested in the subject and has a lot of anecdotal experience. Uh, What is it that makes that difference that allows us to have those conversations about difficult things and yet still leave feeling better? So let's first of all just talk about compassion. What is compassion? If you look at the definition of compassion, there's actually a few that are, I mean, they're, they're wildly different. So I'm going to just choose which uh, definitions are working for me. And, um, in, and I'll actually put the link to this, but one of my favorites. So anyway, if you go through the show notes here, there's a bunch of different links here. But one of the definitions that I really, really liked was, Um, Let me find it here. You know what? I actually don't like that one as much. Sorry, guys. I'm going to skip that one. Okay. I'm going to go to my very favorite one, which is I heard from Chris Germer, and he was on a podcast with Brene Brown about compassion. And he said it is where compassion is where love meets suffering and still remains love. So he said, sometimes when love meets suffering, so, you know, we, I love somebody and they share with me their suffering or I see suffering. Sometimes it turns into fear or my own pain or it becomes heavy for me or anything like that. And, but he said, compassion is where we can have love meet suffering and still remain love. Um, another definition that I really liked is it said it's the feeling of, it can be empathy. It starts there, you know, feeling that with somebody else. And then compassion is where we actually have the desire to alleviate that suffering. That's another kind of addition to the definition of compassion. But the one I really want to focus on here is can we face suffering either of ourselves, compassion on ourselves or compassion for other people's suffering and still stay with love, not have it turn into fear. So I want to just talk a little bit about suffering. Um, I mean, I have, you know, all sorts of voices in my head here. I have, you know, Byron Katie saying, you know, there's no need for suffering. And what, and there's all sorts of, you know, Buddhist thought around suffering. And I guess what I'm going with in this conversation here is when I say suffering, I mean, when people go through hard things and they're feeling emotional pain, which I know there are probably some people out there in the world who don't feel that, I have never met one in real life. From my experience, we all feel a lot of positive emotions and we all feel a lot of negative emotions. And so when I talk about suffering, I'm talking about the times where you're really feeling negative emotion, whether that's extreme grief or you're just having a rough time. Okay, so that's what I mean when I'm talking about suffering. So first of all, when as human beings we are faced with suffering, oftentimes we have one well, there's several responses, but there's two really common responses. The first is to turn away from it. You know, we, 
almost are overwhelmed by the suffering and we just simply have to shut down to handle it. And I see this a lot happen when you talk, start talking about big things like, you know, starving children. Or I used to do a lot of work with an organization that helped rescue children from human trafficking. And I found that when I talked about it, and I mean, I would go and I'd speak to hundreds of people about this. And it was fascinating because you could tell a lot of people were just like, I can't even hear that. I can't hear that it's happening. And when I'd say things like, well, it happens here where we live, you know, they were like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't even hear it. And so the instinct was just to pull away. Like that's too hard to imagine that's happening to kids around here. I can't take it. So I think I'd rather just not know. Right. Or, uh, more. So, I mean, I feel like that happens a lot. And, and just to be clear, this totally happens to me. There are causes where when I hear them, I'm like, I feel helpless. This is overwhelming. I kind of just want to shut down. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I can face that kind of suffering head on. Um, but on a more personal level, that's not necessarily this macrocosmic example, but I find it just when I see somebody on the street who's homeless, I have found, I really noticed it. I don't know, my early adulthood that when I'd see somebody who's homeless, who's, you know, sitting there asking for money, I didn't, well, when I was a teenager, I used to give them money. And then I learned from, you know, some people who volunteered in homeless shelters and stuff that, and I read an article, it still haunts me actually, um, that made me realize that maybe giving them cash wasn't the best choice for them and for the system itself. And so because I then was like, okay, well, I, you know, maybe I'm not going to give money, but then I just felt like, well, if I can't, if I can't do that, then I don't even I don't even want to look them in the face because it's just too much. Like there's too much need there. And I was afraid to look at it. And then I had this amazing experience. It was actually with a Christmas song. <laughs> oh, Holy Night by Gentry. I'll actually put a link to it. Is this music video a few years ago. And it sounds so silly that it was just a piece of music that did this. But at one point in the music video, the, the main guy in it turns, he's following this Um, man that he keeps seeing and he turns down this alleyway and it's leading up to a homeless shelter and there's just lined the the alley is just lined with all these people who don't have home and you can just tell the the man in the video is just overwhelmed like this is so much and when I watched that video I was like that's how I feel when I look at homeless people I just feel like it's too much like I can't I don't know what to do and so I feel helpless and so I don't even feel like I can look at it right and that's just one example but I feel like we do that a lot in our lives like the suffering is just too much I can't face it because I don't know what to do about it so we just turn away and from that moment on I actually made the goal the commitment to when I see somebody who's homeless that I actually do look at them in the face and I smile and I say hello because I wouldn't want to be invisible and then I can choose to do whatever in addition. If I want to do something else to help, I can do something else. But that is something that I can always offer, right? Like I can always offer me eye contact, a smile, and a hello, right? Saying like, I see you, you're a person. And and again, that actually comes from, I've also read beautiful articles about people who have 
gone out and like acted homeless for a while. And they said, that's a really difficult thing is people just not seeing you as a person. Right. So anyway, that's just an example. I'm just trying to give you examples of the way we just (laughs) do this on a daily basis. We see suffering and we turn away from it. This also happens in personal conversations. So I've had this happen to me. Um, I mean, I hate to admit it, but it has happened to me before where I'm talking to somebody that I know and they start, I can see that they're really struggling and it's almost like, oh man, I just don't know if I can, I don't know if I can connect with that right now. And that's okay. As I'm saying this, it's okay to feel that sometimes, sometimes we're not in a space where we're not, you know, we don't have our compassion bucket ready and that's okay. It's totally okay to not be in a space all the time to do this. However, if we can get to this, it's a really beautiful place to be. So that's one way to respond to suffering that is a natural human response. The other way to respond to suffering, and I also do this, so I do both of these two less than healthy ways. Um, The other way is the opposite direction, where I actually take it on myself. Okay, so and I've done this, oh my goodness, so many times, you know, somebody's telling me a story. And I am and it doesn't have to be a person telling me a story. It can be a cause. It can be whatever. But I take it on so much that then for the rest of the day, I mean, I feel like I got, I have a weight on my shoulders, right? I'm so like, let me just come in here and hear it and make this problem totally mine. So I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have literally left a conversation with somebody and I've gotten better at this over the years. And I think it's because so many people tell me their stories that I've just practiced it a lot, <laughs> but, but I used to, I mean, I remember as a teenager, I would leave a, a conversation with somebody and, you know, somebody just bared their whole soul, right? Like they just told me all their stuff and I would leave and I'd be like, Oh my, I feel so bad right now like I just felt like it was just weighing like this weight and it wasn't even something that I could do anything about right it was just the connection I'd gotten so like enmeshed that I was just like oh my gosh this is so much and and I had to figure out a way to can I still connect without taking on another person's burden in a way that's not helpful right like me just then being sad for a day doesn't really help anybody right so I'm going to tell you a few tools that I have learned to be somewhere that's not either of those two places, either turning away from suffering and not connecting with people or becoming so enmeshed that you're just carrying it around and making yourself sad over it. So what I'm going to describe today is the the place in the middle where we can keep connection, but not be like, you know, just making ourselves constantly sad about it. So there's a couple tips here I have for you. I'm going to have a short break and then I'm going to come back and tell you my my favorite tips that help me actually feel compassion in a really healthy way. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to use code FINDTHEMAGIC to receive $50 off any Gab wireless device, watches, phones, 
Let's keep our kids safe on tech as they go back to school, but also safe and aware of where they are. So again, that's Gab Wireless with code FINDTHEMAGIC. You can receive $50 off any device. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you. And there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day. And I have found that as I've used it, it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way. So if you'd like a journal, just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM journal. Thanks so much. Okay, so here are my tips. The first one, this one is from Brene Brown. I mean, she's everything she says is just so fantastic. Her quote about compassion is, boundaries are a prerequisite for compassion and empathy. We cannot connect with someone unless we're clear about where we end and they begin. If there's no autonomy between people, then there's no compassion or empathy, just enmeshment. Okay, so this is my first tip, guys. Boundaries, okay? <laughs> Realizing that although we're all connected, we don't have, there is a, a place where I end and the other person begins, right? And like I described to you guys before, when people first started like coming to me and just telling me all their things, my first instinct, because I really did genuinely care, was this kind of enmeshment, you know, just like, I don't, I don't know what, where I begin and you end here, but like, I'm just going to be so in it with you that I'm taking it on, right? And that's not super helpful. So with this tip, boundaries, I'm not talking about boundaries now. Okay. Um, I'm going to say there are times where you might need to set boundaries with people about what they do share with you. Say, for example, if you have somebody who is just constantly complaining to you and it doesn't feel like connection, it feels like just complaining. That's totally fine to set a boundary, right? Say, you know what? This isn't, this I don't think is helpful for either of us. That's no problem. And that's up to you to decide where sharing this beautiful kind of sacred space that involves suffering where that is for you and what's just complaining. And for me, the difference is there are some people in my life where they really are just complaining all the time. And it's really, it's not helpful for me. It's not helpful for them to tell me. And it, it's almost with those people, it's almost just like the same thing over and over. Right. So what I'm talking about here is when I have somebody who literally like I'm in a space and I also have the time for it. Cause that's another place where you can set boundaries is, you know, I don't, this actually, I don't have time to like make the space to hear this from you right now. And that's okay. So what I'm talking about is the times where you have the emotional energy, you have the space and somebody's sharing something with you. That's really, it might be really difficult for them, but it requires vulnerability. And it's again, for me, it's a really sacred space. And so that's what I'm talking about here. That kind of thing where somebody's sharing something that's inside of their heart and you're offering them a kind of a healing space. So even in that space though, this is how I set boundaries. Okay. And I'm not, it doesn't even, uh, the word boundary once I'm in this space, isn't really the word I would actually use, but it is an actual boundary when I'm thinking about it. 
So this is what I do. When I am going to enter into a conversation with somebody, sometimes it's because I'm actually working with somebody. Like I know going into it, they're like, whew, we're going to be talking about something intense here. But other times, like for example, if it's a client or something, or just a friend that I know we're going to be going over some difficult things here. But oftentimes it just happens, right? Like I'm just talking to somebody and they bring something up and I'm like, oh, we're shifting here. This is what I do every time. For me, I just, I say like a little, it's just like I kind of send a little prayer up like, oh, okay, we're going into this space. Help me be, help me help make this situation more full of light. Like, is there any way I can help this situation? So I kind of going into the conversation or once I realize the conversation's happening, I send up a little like, whoo, okay, here it is. Help me be this, help me bring more light into this space, okay? Then I actually imagine this. <laughs> so I developed this first when I was doing birth training and then later when I did some other training through a uh, uh, program called the emotion code that you know you learn to release emotions but in my birth training we called it a bubble of peace and in emotion code training we called it a shield and it is literally I imagine light coming in through the top of my head and then I imagine there's like a bubble around me and positivity can come in and I can send out love and light but no negativity can come in so it may sound weird to say I'm here connecting with this person but I'm literally well, I'm figuratively imagining that there is something actually in between us, but I do that. And guys, it makes such a big difference. It is actually the difference between me leaving heavy and depressed and me leaving connected and like, oh my gosh, that was such a beautiful connection that we just had is this literally, I imagine light coming in. I say shields up in my mind and there's just a little bubble that I imagine coming out and light can come out, light can come in, but negativity cannot come in to me. Does that make sense? So it sounds kind of funny, but it really works for me a lot. And I have a lot of friends who are in the healing arts. I mean, I even have friends who are massage therapists who say they use something like that at the beginning of massages, or I have friends who are therapists and use that at the beginning of therapy. So you know, find what works for you. But that is one little thing. And as I'm saying this, it isn't like I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, like, oh, let me take a few deep breaths here. Don't tell your story yet. I mean, this happens in like five seconds, just in my head, right? Like I just say a little prayer, ask to add light to the situation. And then I just, in my mind, say shields up. I've already decided what that means. And it's really, really helpful for me. And seriously, guys, when I do it, I, I don't feel heavy after, which is amazing. So that's kind of what I mean when I say boundaries. I'm literally like kind of setting a boundary in my mind that I can help this situation and I can connect in the situation, but I'm not going to like take on the, the dark pieces into myself, right? I'm just help. I'm helping this person get out of their own darkness. So that's my first tip, boundaries, however that looks for you, but I, it's really, really helpful to realize that you can connect with somebody without actually, but there can still be like a place where you end and they begin, which is really helpful. The second tip, this one comes from Kristen Neff, who Chris Grammer just quote, he, she works with Chris Grammer. And so Chris used her words a lot when in this interview with Brene Brown that I'm going to post that I'll um, include here. And she says there's three parts of compassion, 
mindfulness, calming humanity, and kindness. And the one I want to talk about today is mindfulness. So I think the key to showing compassion to somebody else, to truly go in there and help them not feel alone in their suffering, is mindfulness. It's being simply said, it's just being present with them and actually seeing them for who they really are. To me, I have never in my entire life, I'm like trying to think back to make sure I'm saying this is a true statement, but I don't think I've ever met a single person in my life who once I looked at them through those kind of eyes of I'm just curious who you are as a human being, that I wasn't just blown away by the intricacies of the universe that's inside of them. I mean, every single person has this beautiful, infinite web of what makes them them and their history and how their mind works and how their heart works and how all of it works together. And it's just fascinating to me. It's beautiful. And I mean, even when I've worked with people who have, uh, I mean, by classic standards, made a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes, crime, done crimes, you know, have paid for those crimes in a lot of ways. Even when I talk to people like that, and as I say that, my experience there is limited, right? I've read, well, it's a whole other episode actually, but I mean, I've read books from people like Richard Schwartz, who has actually spent, you know, decades working with people who are, you know, on death row, but I haven't had that same experience. I'm just saying, but I have talked to people who have made enough mistakes that yes, they have actually paid for it in our judicial system. And I'm saying that even those people, when I talk to them, if you open your eyes, there's still something absolutely beautiful inside of them. And so for me, when I'm talking to somebody and they are sharing something that's important, whatever that thing is, for me, if I can actually just be mindful, which means, you know, to can't have my phone up in front of my face, it means that I'm pretty focused. Like I actually do kind of lose track of <laughs> what else is happening. But if I can just see that person as a full, whole human being, and for me, there's divinity inside every person. If I can reach in with my heart and see that, then it allows me to create and hold whatever kind of space that person needs because I'm actually seeing them. And for me, that's what mindfulness means in compassion is just actually being there, right? And just hearing them and making that space. And when I do that, the cool thing that usually happens is I stop worrying about what I'm going to say and I'm just really focusing on them and seeing the inside of them. And then the cool thing about it is the words that are supposed, that person's supposed to hear just come to my mouth, right? Like it's just, so it's beautiful because then I don't have to think, like I'm not having to do that as they're talking, me being like, okay, what am I going to say next? Because I just don't even worry about it. It's just, my goal here is to see you and to feel you and to feel this with you, knowing I'm not going to take it with me, like I'm not going to mesh here. But the while I'm here with you, I can cry with you. Like there's so many times where I can cry with somebody just because I'm feeling what they're feeling for that moment. 
but because I have my, my kind of light boundary, I don't have to take it with me when I leave. You know what I'm saying? But there is power to sitting with somebody and feeling, just really trying to see them. There's real power in it. And for me, it actually ends up in the end lifting me and the other person. I think anytime we can truly connect with somebody, we have that opportunity to lift. So those are my simple, <laughs> um, my simple pieces of advice when it comes to creating a space of compassion first knowing that there is a boundary between you and that person and setting those boundaries is important and the second one is simply being mindful and holding that space with the goal of seeing inside the other person helping them feel seen and heard and then knowing that whatever comes up for you to say is good when it's coming from that space, you know what I mean? So there's sometimes when I'm listening to somebody and I don't really say much at all. It's just, I, yeah, I hear you. That would be really hard. And, and at the end, I always, I'm a hugger. So I always like hug the person, say like, thank you for sharing that with me. That's an honor that you would even share it. Oftentimes that's what my conversations look like. There are other times where there's other words that will come to me that I say, that from a loving space I hope right might be helpful but oftentimes it's just the listening part so and it also depends on the person obviously and what they're asking for there's a lot of times where I'll actually say is are you wanting advice or are you wanting information or are you wanting what's coming to my mind here or would you like me just to listen and there's nothing wrong with just asking for that I actually had a friend the other day do that for me I was so grateful I was just going through something kind of hard and it was beautiful. She said, just so straightforwardly, she just said, do you want me to tell you what I think or do you want me just to hear you and make space for you? And I loved it because I knew I could have said, you know, I just want you to hear me. And she would have said, okay, great. And left it at that. In this situation, I actually did want advice. So I said, please tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Um, But I just really appreciated that she just said it so clearly without expectation of what my answer would be and so that's a beautiful thing we can offer people when we're talking to them we can say things like would you like feedback or do you want me just to make space and listen for you to you um and actually as i'm saying that i've heard both caitlin and felicia say that to me as i've been sharing things with them in the past and i appreciate that about both of them i love it they'll say okay do you want do you want me to tell you here or do you want me just to listen and i love that about them so anyway those are my tips about compassion and my I guess try this or not is maybe start in your own life just start noticing there is a difference between just complaining that is not helpful for anybody and then the other kind of conversation which is sacred sharing of emotions and what's on the inside of you and that's where the magic of compassion is Uh, A few of the articles that I read about compassion in preparation for this said that when we feel compassion, it releases oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. So it's actually a really important and beautiful thing for us to feel. And so I guess, yeah, just maybe notice when there's opportunities to create that space for somebody and listen to them. And that being said, I think self-compassion I just think it's a great place to end because when we give ourselves self-compassion, that means we are giving ourselves space, being mindful and actually allowing ourselves to feel. 
So when I'm feeling something really, really strong, instead of just beating myself up about it, I can get curious and I can say, oh, okay, you know what? Let's look at that. Why am I feeling that way? Oh yeah, this is why. Okay. And I'd use that same voice with myself, but I would use with somebody as I'm talking to them, right? I still, I can still offer myself that same kind of compassion, that same kind of space, curiosity, and looking inside of myself, like I was saying how I'm so blown away by how incredible looking inside another human being is and the infinite kind of universe that's inside of them. When I look at myself that way, it also changes the way I see myself, right? Like I'm looking at myself with compassion, with curiosity, and with this kind of honoring. When I'm talking to another human being, I'm always trying to honor them, right? And when I do that to myself, it allows me to feel things deeply in a way that I can actually process them. So I I mean, in the future, we're actually going to talk about a book by Richard Schwartz that I, I touched on. I mean, I mentioned him earlier, but there is something so beautiful that comes from talking to ourselves from a place of compassion and curiosity that even the parts of us that we think are the darkest parts when we actually talk to them with compassion it is amazing how helpful even those parts of us can become in a really good way they can start actually helping us right and i think that when we look at ourselves like that it is really really mind-blowing so that's my try this or not see if there's places in your life where you can offer that space of compassion to others around you and to yourself through mindfulness and for me it's pulling in light and kind of creating if it's with somebody else a boundary even for myself though I actually do sometimes find myself setting boundaries of I'm going to fill this and then I'm going to fill it right now I'm going to process as much as possible but then hey I'm about to go over here and I'm gonna put this on the back burner and that's a kind of boundary on its own so it applies to both others and to us so i hope you guys found something helpful here and if you end up trying something with compassion let me know how it goes okay guys let's find the magic <clears throat> <laughs> brown cows <laughs>